You're listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast. For more information on Dayton Christian Center, you can visit dcctx.church. Now let's join in for this week's message. So it's weird that I'm up here. I never thought I would be here. And I'll tell you why, just a little bit of something. Um, I grew up extremely shy, like brutally shy. There's a story, I don't remember actually doing this, I was like four or five years old, but I can remember this story that somebody told me when I was little and they came up to me and they were like, hi Haley, how are you? And then I just growled at them. (laughs) So that's a glimpse into my childhood. And then I can remember in junior high, I was in a class where we had to give speeches and I hated every second of it. Like, I know no junior high kid enjoys giving speeches, but I would literally, I would start sweating, and my face would turn beet red, my stomach would be in knots, and I would ask my teacher, is there any way, can I just not do the speech? Every time we had a speech come up, can I just take a zero? Like, I'm cool with taking a zero. That's fine. And like any good teacher, she told me no. So then I started having irrational thoughts like, I will literally drop out of the seventh grade and go get a job today if it means I don't have to give this two-minute speech. But my shyness did not end there. It went on through college. At almost 19 years old, I took a communications class and was shocked when I found out on the first day that we were gonna have to give speeches in this communications class, and I thought I was gonna die. So, when I say that it's a miracle that I'm up here, I'm not exaggerating, okay? And I say all that to tell you that there may be some things in your life that, and this is just a side note, okay, this is just extra. There may be some things in your life that you're feeling a tug on. Maybe you feel like God's calling you to do this thing, and you're like, there is no way that I could do this. I don't have the skills for that. That may just be the very thing that God uses for his glory. You just never know. So anyways, that was the longest intro ever. So (laughs) the title of my message is Let God Be Your Guide. Um. My life began to change rapidly after a single prayer. Now, I would say that my most important prayer, of course, was when I asked Jesus into my life, but I would say that my second most important prayer um, happened in college, and it was a simple prayer, and I'm gonna tell you, I had come to a point in my life where I was tired of living for myself. I knew who God was because I'd been in church my entire life, but I had never come to that point where I fully submitted my life to him. So my prayer was simple, and it went something like this. God, I really don't know what I'm supposed to be doing right now, but I ask that you would lead me on the path that you want me to be on. I don't care what it looks like. And I kid you not, after that prayer... (laughs) My life flipped upside down. Long story short, I moved back home from college. I started dating Jack. 
started going to DCC. We got married. This all in a less than a year span. And let me tell you, I had my to-do list of things. Not one of those things was on my to-do list. <laughs> I had so many plans for myself that I had to be willing to release. For God to change your life, don't think that you have to first have this wild and crazy experience and get a bunch of prophetic words from people before you step out in obedience. And don't get me wrong, those things aren't bad things because a lot of time God will send people in our lives to confirm his plans in our lives. But what places us in the will of God is submission. And what keeps us there are daily decisions to do things his way and not our way. So what is submission? Submit means to yield or surrender oneself to the will or authority of another. Proverbs 16, 9 says that the, man, the mind of a man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. Now, I'm kind of going to steal something from Jack that he preached on several months ago, and it was on Psalms 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. When I read this verse, I imagine someone holding a lantern walking down a super dark hallway, and I brought my lantern. This is my lamp. And the thing about a lamp is that it will only light up a small area. If we turned out all the lights on, off, in this room, and then I turned this little lantern on, it's not gonna light up the entire room. And the verse specifically says feet, which is why I think a lot of times we don't understand. It doesn't make sense to us in our head why God's telling us to do something. We just know that's where we're supposed to go. But we cannot have that revelation of the word if we don't first read it. And I'll get more into that later. Sometimes when we're following Jesus, it's not going to make sense in our eyes. It may seem unfair, and we will face trials. But submission is sacrifice, and it's not always easy, and it requires trust. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. So you may think, so if I'm not supposed to make plans for my life, then do I just sit around and wait till God tells me to do anything? Not exactly. It's not that God doesn't want us to make plans. He just wants us to be yielded to his. That means, one, we can ask him before we make a decision about anything. And two, we can constantly be listening for guidance or a possible change of direction. Jesus warned the disciples about what they would face when they followed him. 
turn with me to John 15, 18 through 19. I'm going to drink. Um, Okay. In John 15, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he told them, If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Now let's skip to chapter 16, and I'll start in verse 1. He continues, These things I have spoken to you so that you may be kept from stumbling. They will make you outcasts from the synagogue, but an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. These things they will do because they have not known the Father or me. And it's interesting to me that in chapter 15, Jesus talks about the world hating them, which I feel like is a little less shocking. But then in chapter 16, he's talking about the religious people, the ones who claim to be doing the will of God, but aren't because they don't actually know him. Something you may often hear a mother say who has gone through pregnancy and labor and those early months of the newborn stage is, I'd do it all over again. Because the gift of her child is more than worth the pain. Now I'll stay in John 16 here, in verse 21. Whenever a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when she gives birth to a child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy that the child has been brought into the world. Therefore, you too have grief now, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and no one will take your joy away from you. When we follow Jesus, we will face trials of many kinds simply because we're Christians. We'll get mocked and made fun of, we'll lose friends and maybe even family, and we'll of course have a target on our back where the enemy will fire his flaming arrows. But we know that getting to have a relationship with Jesus and spending eternity with him is more than worth it. Just like the joy of a newborn baby after an intense birth, so is the joy of getting to have a personal relationship with Jesus because of what he did for us on the cross. But here's where it gets scary. You may know someone who was once a Christian, maybe they went to church their entire life, who is now not following the Lord. Someone who has clearly denied Christ. Matthew 7, 21 through 23 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That verse doesn't say depart from me because you once knew me, but then you turned your back on me. It says I never knew you. Depart from me. 
That goes to show you that having a relationship with God is more than just believing in him. Truly knowing God means we're not swayed by our circumstances in this very short life that we have on earth. When we have a true relationship with God, there's no turning back. The verse also says, he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. That means laying down our life and submitting to his plans. So how do we know that we know God? The best way to be confident that you are following God's voice is to first familiarize yourself with it. It's difficult to recognize somebody that you don't know. Let's turn to 1 Samuel 3, 1 through 7. It says, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli, and the word from the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. It happened at the time as Eli was laying down in his place. Now his eyesight had begun to grow dim, and he could not see well. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, that the Lord called Samuel. And he said, here I am. And then he ran to Eli and, Eli, and said, here I am for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down again. The Lord called again, Samuel. So Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. But he answered, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now look at what it says in verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. Samuel heard God's voice, but he wasn't able to recognize it because he did not yet know him. Anyone can hear the voice of God, but not everyone is going to recognize it as what it really is. So it happened a third time where the Lord called on Samuel and Samuel ran to Eli. This time Eli discerned that it was God and told Samuel that if God called him again to say, speak Lord for your servant is listening. And so that's what he did. Again, I find it so interesting that the reason that Samuel didn't recognize the voice of the Lord was because he did not yet know the Lord. This reminds me of a time when Jack and I were on vacation and we were in a house with a bunch of other people and I was getting ready in the bathroom and I heard a knock on the door and a voice that said, can I come in? And I immediately recognized it as Jack's voice and so I just opened the door and let him in. And out of all those people in the house, I was able to recognize my husband's voice because I talk with him every single day. I think so often when we're talking to God, we say something like, God, what are your plans for me? I want to know what to do. I want to know what lies ahead of me. And God is saying, I want to know you and I want you to know me. We can't expect to accurately hear from God and allow him to lead us if we don't have a relationship with him. And it's important to remember that while we're listening, there will be deception and confusion thrown at us by the enemy. 
If the devil tried to trick Jesus, he's going to try to trick us too. In Matthew 4, he's called the tempter when he's talking to Jesus in the wilderness right after Jesus had just fasted for 40 days. He knew Jesus was hungry, so he told him to turn the stones into bread, but Jesus replied with scripture, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil tried to get Jesus to throw himself off the top of the temple by using scripture out of context. Don't think the devil doesn't know the word. He told Jesus, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Again, Jesus replied with scripture, you shall not put the Lord your God to test. Finally, the devil tried for a third time. He took Jesus to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and, minister, and began to minister to him. Don't think the devil doesn't know the word, because he does. So not only do we need to know what the word says, we need to know what it means. The Bible can be confusing, and it's easy to read or use scripture out of context if we're not in tune with the Holy Spirit. My third point is prayer and worship. In addition to familiarizing ourselves with the word, prayer and worship are two more essentials when it comes to growing in our relationship with God. We absolutely get to know God through prayer. It's not just this one-sided thing. If we're listening, he's probably speaking. I was talking with my daughter, Selah, the other day, and she was like, Mom, when I talk to God, I can't hear him talk to me back. And so I tried to explain to her in the best way that I could explain to a five-year-old. I was like, well, most of the time, you're not going to hear his voice out loud, you know? It's more like something you're gonna feel in your heart. Or maybe sometimes he's gonna give you a dream. Or maybe sometimes he's gonna show you something in nature. And I was all excited about it. And she was just like, okay. And I'm like, you'll get there one day. <laughs> Worship is also a great way to get to know God. Worship can be like when you've known of someone for a really long time. Like you don't really talk to them, but you know who they are. And then finally, one day you hang out together and you're like, wow, this person is really cool. And now you know that because you finally decided to get together and you gave them your full attention and you had to listen to what they had to say. And that's partially what worship is like because when we finally engage, we're giving our full attention to God. God wants to reveal himself to us, but we need to give him our attention. So as we're walking this thing out, it's important to know the difference between living for God and for ourself. The first thing that comes to my mind is obedience. So my fourth point is obedience. And I need another drink, I'm really thirsty. <laughs> 
pretty much everyone on the worship team makes fun of me because I, every time I'm on stage, I have to have a water. <laughs> like, I feel like nobody else does that. And every time I'm about to sing a song, I'm like, gotta take a drink of my water. And the camera people hate it because, anyways, <laughs> I just get really thirsty. I don't know what to tell you. Okay, obedience. God literally struck someone down because they disobeyed and they touched the Ark of the Covenant after being instructed by God not to. And if God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, I think he finds obedience pretty important. And that's just one example. A good way to know if you are in right alignment is through peace. A lot of times I know that I'm in the wrong or I know that I'm not doing something that I probably should be doing is because I'll feel restless. And when I know I'm on the right track, I'll feel at peace. Even when it doesn't make sense, I am at peace because I know that I'm doing what God has told me to do. Turn with me to 1 Samuel 15. Here, Samuel is telling Saul what God has commanded, which was for Saul to go kill Amalek and destroy all that he has, every single person and every animal. God said not to spare anything, but Saul disobeyed, and although he went and killed the Amalekites, he spared Agag, the king, and the best of the animals. Verse 10 says, Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned his back from following me and has not carried out my commands. And Samuel was distressed and cried out to the Lord all night. Verse 13, Samuel came to Saul and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have carried out the command of the Lord. But Samuel said, what is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? In other words, if you did what you were supposed to do, why do I hear all these animals around me? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, Wait and let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Samuel then tells Saul that he has disobeyed God by not destroying everything. Saul defends himself by saying he saved the best animals to sacrifice to God. Verse 22 says, Samuel said, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and insubordination is, is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. God had a plan that he wanted carried out by Saul. But Saul took matters into his own hands and decided what was best. Instead of following God, he paved his own path, which eventually led to his own destruction. 
Deuteronomy 28 lists the blessings and obedience, blessings of obedience and the consequences of disobedience. Above the blessings, it says, now it shall be, if you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments, which I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. And then it lists out all the blessings. Above the curses of disobedience, it says, but it shall come about if you do not obey the Lord your God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes with which I charge you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Again, I would say obedience is pretty important in our walk with God. To let God be the guide of our life, we must submit and trust that his ways are higher. Obey him in all circumstances. And above all, we need to start getting to know him on a personal level. So if y'all would go ahead and stand with me and I will pray us out. Father God, I thank you that you have a plan for each and every one of us in here. God, I ask that we, if we are walking in disobedience, that you would reveal that to us today. But God, if we are walking in obedience and we just feel like this doesn't make sense, but we know that we're doing what you've called us to do, I ask that you would show us your peace. God, I thank you that you're a God that desires to know us and that you want to have a relationship with us. God, I thank you for who you are and everything that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you chose to tune in with us this week. We hope that today's message left you challenged, encouraged, and inspired. If you enjoyed today's message and would like to hear more, you can find us wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. Thanks again for listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast.